everybody and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast. It's volume 12, issue 558, and today we're going to talk about Dragon's Crown. Joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue, we have Brian Amazon Edwards. Hello, hello. Leah Elf Haydu. Sure, I'll take it. <laughs> and Mikhail Wizard Croder. Filthy Luca. <laughs> <laughs> mm, uh, yeah, you could have been Rennie. Is that his yeah. name? Rennie, Rennie. Rennie, yeah. that's a thief, yeah. 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 My uh, character of choice is actually the, the Amazon, not the wizard. Oh, okay. But well, I didn't we'll, we'll base it on that. that. I based it purely on uh, physical uh, resemblance. Oh, yeah. And, I, and I'm on a podcast <laughs> called Video Wizards, so it's very exactly. Amazon, of course. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. There you go. Bri- Brian yeah. does have gigantic breasts, it's true. And buttocks. <laughs> First mention of breasts. Uh, if you want to play a, a special this issue only drinking game for podcast <laughs> you might want to go with any variation of breast boobs memories um we'll keep it pg but we will be talking about uh, physical attributes of the characters because the art style was a thing and well i mean it very much still is a thing uh, <laughs> which you'll see if you play the game but what is dragon's crown for those who are unfamiliar uh, although it's pretty big for a game of its niche and uh, of its developer and things like that it's uh, it's still not one that hundreds and well it is literally one that hundreds of people have played it's perhaps not one that a higher percentage of our listeners will have played but it is a side-scrolling 2d fantasy brawler rpg uh, we'll talk about its inspirations as we go on but first as is traditional let's start with our histories with this particular game which uh, which actually goes back 10 years which is why we're covering it now but uh there are other versions and so on. Brian, did you did this catch your eye in in EGM or whatever you were reading in 2013? Uh, yeah, well, it didn't so much uh, catch my eye in that, but it did catch my eye when I became the proud owner of a PlayStation Vita in 2014. Yeah, um, I picked up a Vita at uh, our local GameStop uh, used, and I got home and I was very excited because, um, as as you know. Uh, my co-host here and the, and also the people out there might know I'm a bit of a achievement and trophy nerd and like get, the idea of getting PlayStation trophies on the go was just too enticing for me and one of the one of the first games I got for it was Dragon's Crown um because I had read reviews and I had seen some things and it seemed like a really fun mobile game to have you know with me on the go um so it, playing this I played it back in 2014 and I would have wagered I believe I put myself green on the traffic lights for it um mm-hmm. that I had completed the game in 2014 and much to my surprise, when playing through in 2023 uh, for this po- podcast, I w- started unlocking story-based uh, trophies uh, for the game. So I don't think I actually did complete it on my Vita. Um, and I believe I messaged you very excitedly, Leon, because I know that you get enjoyment from this, too, is that my, my trophy gap was from August 11th, 2014 <laughs> to, like, December 29th, 2022. It was, like, yeah. almost an eight-year eight gap yes. in between trophies, and that was uh, pretty neat. So, um, turns out I didn't actually finish it on my Vita. I finished it on the PlayStation 5, playing the Dragon's Crown Pro version, yeah. the PS4 version of the game, and I played through as an Amazon, believe it or not. Um, mm-hmm. That was my first I character knew. of choice. Um, replayed it again as the elf, and I've been going through over the last couple days as a sorceress, just kind of doing a couple things and, and trying out some different play styles. So Excellent. yeah, I fully completed it once, but it was a kind of an eight-year journey to get there. Yeah, as is so often the case. Mikhail, how about yourself? You got a history with uh, Vanillaware? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, first uh, Vanillaware game I bought was 
Muramasa on the Wii. Yeah. Um, and in the years, I snatched up copies of uh, Odin Sphere on the PS2 and Grim Grimoire on the PS2 as well. And yeah, I um, I remember because in the seventh generation of consoles, I had a 360 and a Wii, but not a PS3. And you know, I was good for for most of it. Like I was uh, fairly well covered. But when Dragon's Crown was announced, and uh, you know, even when it was released, I made a mental note of it. And you know, a few other games like Demon Souls. Like, ah, oh, this is something that I wouldn't mind getting a PS3 for eventually. You know, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I think it was Howard van der Waal who wrote a couple of articles for the Kenyans blog as well. Mm-hmm. Like a, a friend of mine that I met at uh, at Nintendo of Europe, and um, he came to my place when he was staying um, in the Netherlands for an internship at one point, and he brought his uh, PS3 along with uh, with Dragon's Crown. We started playing it, wholly enjoying it. You know, with the two of us. Then we got a fr- another friend of mine in. We had a party of three, and at that point, I um, yeah, I had to. Uh, I ha- I I pretty much felt like okay. Let's look up cheap prices of uh, PS3 Slims, you know? I, yeah. I need to get me some of this. Yeah. And uh, that's, uh, yeah, so it, it's probably the strongest reason that I eventually got a PS3. And this was, of course, uh, before uh, it came to the PS4, uh, PS4 Pro and before I even had a PS4 even. So I yeah. got myself just before I got a PS4, I got a PS3. Um, and yeah, got a, got a copy of Dragon's Crown as well. And how... Uh... What's your history with actually playing the Dragon's Crown? Yeah, so we played it a ton with uh, the three of us. Like, uh, we got evenings together. And uh, since I only have one PS3 controller, they brought their own controllers uh, along with them uh, at my place. And we got pretty far. Uh, And then um, at that point, it started to become pretty grindy, you know? Yes. It became apparent that, like, I think it was the Warlock boss uh, for the first time. Like, we were just not doing any damage there, you know? Really? Like, like mm. it, was, uh, it was taking taking us ages. And, uh, yeah, we it became apparent, okay, we need to repeat levels and start grinding instead of just going through all the stuff bit by bit. And um, not long after that, Howard left for Japan. And, uh, yeah, I got... I didn't really get together with uh, my other friend anymore that much either, and the game kind of came, in, yeah, kind of fell by the wayside for me, and yeah, eventually, of course, uh, for for Kenny Rins, I picked it back up and uh, went solo for the rest of the journey. Unfortunately, my uh, my traveling companions uh, had abandoned me. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what's yeah. happened to many of us. Yeah, that's how the that's how this classic uh, RPG parties fall apart. You know, yeah. <laughs> Leah, how about you? And and uh, do do you have some vanillaware in your history, or what they yeah, were before? A bit. Uh, so I I actually looked up on my spreadsheets, which you know I have my um, my spreadsheets of games yeah. that I've completed. You're from, a proper nerd uh, like the rest of us. Exactly. Yes. yes, I have a lot of spreadsheets. I love spreadsheets. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I went back to check and see when I had originally played Dragon's Crown, and it turns out it was pretty close to launch, actually. Um, Mm. I completed Dragon's Crown on the PS3 
in October of 2013. So um, not not too long after it launched in the U.S. But I had previously that year actually just played uh, on on my Vita, which I um, had. Well, so I bought my Vita specifically for Persona 4 Golden, um, which I had the game before i had the system so i you know it, it was yeah. it was very directed uh but but i did uh get muramasa rebirth uh mm. earlier that year uh and had played and completed it i'd played some vanillaware games previously uh notably i'm thinking about dragon or not dragon's crown i'm sorry uh i'm thinking about odin sphere which uh yeah. mikhail mentioned uh, I did play that for the PS2, but I don't think I, in fact, I know I never completed it, um, but I picked it up later and actually completed it when they did the re-releases Yes, um, and loved it then. So mm. I, I had some experience with Vanillaware previously, and then I played Dragon's Crown on the PS3, like I said, in 2013. And I don't think that I've touched it since then. Yeah. Um, so I did want of course to uh to refresh myself because i remembered some things but not enough to uh to to kind of talk about it with any kind of uh depth so i have replayed it over the past couple of weeks um i haven't actually quite finished it i'm like sitting right before uh, i think i have one talisman left um before actually finishing this particular playthrough but i went through most of it again and um, got in some co-op, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, uh, just so that I could kind of see how that worked and and see how oh, cool. uh, how it all kind of came out. And uh, yeah, so that's that's my history with Dragon's Crown and Vanillaware uh, completion ten years ago, and then yeah. uh, most of a completion uh, in the past couple of weeks. Fantastic. Yeah, I this really caught my eye. I'd always seen. Uh, Vanillaware or games with George Camitani's art and uh, found them intriguing. I loved the idea that you could because you know, a big fan of traditional pixel art and this looked um, to me like the kind of in some ways like a more natural succession to sort of uh, like great 16-bit pixel art um, but turning it into something that looked like you know drawings come to life kind of thing. Yeah. Um, this one particularly caught my eye, I think, because of the genre of the game. A big, I was a big fan of scrolling fantasy brawlers from Golden Axe and Knights of the Round and, and uh, the Dungeons & Dragons games by Capcom, which are direct influence on this. And, uh, and so, yeah, it really caught my eye. And I believe when it was first previewed in magazines, I guess I was still reading magazines then, possibly looking at websites too in, in 2012, whenever this was first shown, um, I don't think it was at all guaranteed that this would come out in Europe. It was still very much in those days when things like this might be considered a bit niche or a bit a bit of a commercial risk. Yeah. Also didn't help that Atlas, I don't think, ever had European offices, right? Yes. They always had to deal with local distributors here. Yeah, it's got a yeah. Sega logo on um yeah. on the on the European version. Yeah. Uh, which I assume had something to do with it. But um so it so it was that um when the game was released in America, I, I imported it for PS3 because uh, region free, hurrah. So I probably paid a good 45 quid to to import it. But it did come with uh, a softback art book as well, um, you know, for 
private reading <laughs> a soft pillowy art book yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> um as a as a pre-order bonus or an order bonus um but then as is true to form i played it some but didn't get around to finishing it um didn't have any co-op opportunities really to speak uh, short of playing with randoms and it you know it sat on my shelf for a long long time until uh actually it's well it still does it's still right here that copy i imported is still here but uh when it came out on ps4 I saw the uh, and the fact that it was PS4 Pro enhanced with full 4K. I thought, well, how how good can this artwork look? So I was yeah totally suckered myself into buying it again <laughs> for another forty quid. Um, I think our, uh, Chris Worthington from the podcast recently picked it up for four ninety nine in a sale mm-hmm. so yeah. uh it's possible to get it quite cheap now on, on psn obviously it's fully backwards compatible and yeah so i recently played it finally properly for about 20 hours on the ps5 which is obviously running the ps4 pro client um and uh yeah i played it through as fighter like the most vanilla option possible mm. um sticking with yeah. the theme yeah vanilla totally. where option? there you go there you oh. go yeah, uh, and um, I played it through. Not only did I complete it, I also have played through most of like NG plus one, which is the next difficulty up um, and new quests and so on and so forth. So, yeah, I've, I've played quite a few hours. I've collected a good, I don't know, maybe 75 percent of the artworks in the game, something like that. That's good. Uh, yeah, there's still more to be done, um, but I'll talk about kind of where I'm at with it as we go on but yeah that's my history so yeah vanillaware limited is a japanese game developer based in osaka it's an independent company founded uh, 21 years ago originally under the name by puraguru by george kamitani uh, who had previously worked at capcom and atlas and directed princess crown for the saturn uh, and started off fairly small with a game called fantasy earth the ring of dominion for enix and uh, and since then have yes well we've discussed some of their titles and rest assured for vanillaware fans who are listening to this all of the other games that they've ever produced are on our big list of games to cover someday i would love to cover odin sphere muramasa 13 sentinels etc we shall see if time allows in fact uh, director and lead artist george kamitani who will get a lot of mentions in this because he is clearly the chief driving force aided by a lot of talented uh, employees and artists and so on uh, he originally planned dragon's crown as a dreamcast sequel to 1997 saturn title princess crown following vanillaware's successes with odin sphere and muramasa the demon blade though uh, kamitani restarted the project for ps3 um obviously george kamitani is not only the director and the lead writer but also the lead artist uh, aided by uh, the likes of emika kida um composer i think they use uh contracts and in this case they used a very famous contractor hitoshi sakimoto famous probably most famous for well i mean he's done so much but final fantasy tactics radiant silver gun what else what else if i say sakimoto what do you think of um yeah those those titles mainly i think of course yeah. also uh gradius 5 yeah. Final Fantasy XII, Zodiac that was, Age. Yeah, that's yeah. what was going to be mine for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Valkyria Chronicles. Uh, loads of great stuff anyway. Yeah, anyway, 25th of July, 2013, and it arrived just uh, a week or two later in the US, August 2013. 
And then, yeah, there was that gap before the uh, Australia, Australasia and European releases in October 2013, which, as I say, I don't think I was even confident was actually happening when I imported my copy. That PS4 release came five years later. Um, I, I don't remember how kind of vaunted, heralded, advertised it was. Um, I have a nice steelbook. It's very pretty. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Dragon's Crown Pro, goddamn remasters. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, February 2018 in Japan and 15th of May 2018 in both Europe and the US. Uh, Reviews-wise, I was surprised to find this one on Open Critic because Open Critic hasn't been going that long. But yeah, 2018, I guess. Uh, it had 80% average review scores from 57 reviews, which is not bad. Sales-wise, all I know is that it uh, it was reported that it sold over a million copies on PS3, which is pretty decent for such a kind of niche sort of title. Um. So scenario-wise, it's pretty standard stuff, to say the least, but by design, I would suggest. The adventurer arrives in a place called Hydeland and gets involved in fights against monsters, um, gets embroiled in some local politics, ends up having to reclaim some talismans and beat the archdemon and save the land. Is I mean, that is very much nutshell am i am i uh, i I don't even mean to sound dismissive of it i'm just i'm wondering how much mileage there is in discussing it or nah it's it's a case of the story being very framework like and referential to other media you know it's the sort of thing that ties the whole thing together but it isn't like a source of intrigue that said the presentation of the story Mm -hmm. uh the artwork and uh i think yeah the quite excellent narration uh, uh, if we, if you, at least I, I use the um, the standard English uh, uh, narration. Yeah. It does uh, generate a lot of atmosphere, uh, which I very much enjoyed. It it reads instantly like uh like a video game player's video game. You know, it's just like mm-hmm. collect the gems, beat the bad guy. And it's like okay, yeah. I got that. You know, I can I I know what I know what to do next. And then the way it layers those tasks and the way that layers the um, kind of the sub, the side quests and other stuff on top of that, and the, and the way as Mikhail said, the story is presented to you after kind of going out and beating these levels and coming back and seeing that art presentation. I think is is the unique part of the story, rather than the the story itself not being anything more than just kind of yep, as you described, Leon. But the way it's presented and the way that it kind of drips it to you is is kind of a nice. It's got a nice pacing to it. You know, you get these like kind of close ups on these characters, these really detailed drawings and paintings of mm. these. Of these characters and the way they kind of that floaty animation as they're giving their speeches to you is it's it it's presented to you in a very pleasing manner despite maybe not being that content rich if that makes sense hmm. uh let's talk about the art i mean it's quite striking in many ways and yeah. uh it caused a lot of conversation as well uh yeah. alex 79 from our forum says i played dragon's crown on vita back in the day and my gosh it really is a beautiful game the graphics really shone on that vita screen so before we get into the the whys and wherefores of the character design let's talk about the overall kind of look of the game so i got drawn to uh, muramasa because of its uh its beautiful art of course uh, that was my introduction to Van- vanilla Ware. And uh, I couldn't help but think, even at that time, you know, even with the HD consoles out, uh, that might have been just one of the best looking games of that generation. Just, mm. you know, 
transcending technical limitations. Yeah, yeah. And so I was kind of a fan of the studio from that moment on, just for for the uh, artistry there. Mm. And um, my my thing was like with Muramasa, I love the art of it. Uh, mechanically, it was pretty decent, but overall the game design was kind of lacking for mm-hmm. me. And I found the same thing with Odinsphere. Um But yeah, the art, I think you touched on um, something in the beginning when you said like uh, as, as an evolution of uh, pixel art pretty much. Mm. And I think that's very spot on. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it, it's not like where a lot of games that use hand-drawn art and hand-drawn assets kind of feel flat and flash game-like. Just something about the animation and the shading in Vanillaware games does make it feel like something tangible, you know, something you can almost reach into the screen to. And I don't mean to sound that, I mean that to sound as pretty <laughs> as it probably does. But <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think it's very much that. And it probably belies Kamitani's sort of long-standing um, yeah, career in the games industry that he was there during the pixel art days already, yeah. you know, like he sort of brought that into uh, yeah, the, the, the high-res hand-drawn uh thing that he does and yeah for me i mean it already looked like dragon's crown looked already like a bit of a a step above already in in game design uh from the previous titles that i played and of course you know um not touching like you said on the character designs yet just the the overall quality of the art assets and the the atmosphere and uh the, the fidelity of everything yeah, I was uh, once again very much in it for that aspect. Yeah, I mean, if you've if you've seen any of the games, the Vanillaware games that we've kind of mentioned previously on the recording, it, you kind of know that they all, I, they do not all look the same, but they all have a similar look to them. Like it is identifiably a Vanillaware game in Absolutely. in yeah. in that respect. It's very much but, a person's drawing style, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, they they are, it it just, it stands out for me so much just because it's, I mean, it's very colorful, it's very detailed, it is, um, it it, it looks hand-painted, and I I know that it, you know, pretty much is, but um, some some art in games and in movies and, you know, wherever, it just, it has a very crafted look to it. And I think that's what kind of draws me. Now, I I don't even think that Dragon's Crown would be my personal favorite Vanillaware game, but Mm. it is just, it is beautiful and lends itself very well to that kind of um, upscaling or or, um, revision or whatever it was that they mm. did for the pro version just because it it is it's it just looks so nice to begin with yeah I, I think honestly for me and this sounds like i was only reading playboy for the articles but <laughs> it was genuinely the things like the dragons that yeah. caught my eye before the boobs did yeah. you know um and the backdrops yeah i completely agree and i th- i think part of that is and not to go down too far of a rabbit hole before you read the the, the next kind of entries we have here. Um, a lot of that, I think, comes from our, meaning our four, ha- history with video games and having played so many games that have hyper-sexualized versions of characters. Mm. Because I was playing Dragon Crown and marveling at, like, wow, this town looks alive. Look, these 
people walking back and forth and then look at these backgrounds and how they're kind of par- like the, the way they're scrolling and look at the art in here and then and I was looking at that but my wife who does not play many <laughs> video games I knew was this watching play and she's like look look at you when you run like look at your character you know and so I think part of that is and that's yeah. not I I truly don't believe this and, that, and it's probably not my place to say um, that I have become like desensitized to it or, or accept it to an extent but it just we've seen so much of it in so many different games and so many different genres that that's maybe not the first thing I'm looking for when I'm playing Mm. these games. And so my eye just is drawn to the dragon, to the, you know, the way the, the, the sleeping mage looks, you know, in the tower and and the way that these, these portraits kind of come up to the screen. And I'm impressed by that because I, I agree with Leah and, and well, actually what all three of you said regarding the art, because it it's just so, beautiful and vibrant and detailed in a way that you just do not see in many other games like the way those everything on the screen has has a way of popping and if you really look at every aspect of what's happening on screen like it it really does feel like attention was paid to every asset that's on that screen in front of you and it's 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 a strikingly beautiful game well let's get into it so i think even if yeah and and uh, we're we're nothing in this podcast if not honest we you know we always just come with our honest opinions some sometimes uh listeners don't like it because we're all too positive or all too negative or or about a game they like or whatever but all we ever do is is bring our own honest opinions and um the the reason i say that is is just because you know when we're saying actually i barely even noticed the press like genuinely <laughs> right. I, it did take a while for it suddenly it's like I, I genuinely it wasn't the first thing to catch my eye however when that uh you know it's got the kind of quite traditional sort of introduce the characters uh title sequence a track mode or whatever and it is the point that you see the sorceress in that and because kind of at that stage the screen feels like it's mostly filled with pendulous bosoms um <laughs> kind of very much front and center as as gloriously well drawn as the rest of it is and obviously you've already had the amazon you've got the dwarf and and my kind of initial feeling was i remember my editor at the time saying that he found the whole thing like really unpleasant distasteful didn't like it at all didn't like the you know the art style was a total off put to him whereas to me it was the art style to the side of the the sexual or the the hyper exaggerated aspects that were that was more appealing to me my assumption was for a long time and i would kind of you know maybe be an apologist for it but defend the game or 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 my genuine reason for liking the game was that i thought it was a joke basically i thought it was a pastiche i thought it was a humorous caricature of fantasy stereotypes is he sort of said something different to that but yeah what do you think leah well i i i have kind of a similar viewpoint on this and i don't i don't think that this is a unique thing like i think Mm. that um that i've i've definitely seen other people who have a a similar opinion but i i don't so i i wouldn't say that it is not relevant to the rest of the game what i would say is that i don't think it's maybe in so i was gonna say that i don't think it's intended to be sexy and i don't think that that's entirely accurate i think that mm-hmm. they probably did want to mm-hmm. take advantage of that at least to a yeah. point but yeah. i don't while think taking that's... the piss at the same time maybe kind of yeah it's because it's 
it's less to me that everything in this game is sexualized and more that it is exaggerated. It is yeah. grotesque, yes. not in the negative version of not in the negative context yeah, yeah, of that word, but in the context of that word that means it is just so overdone and yeah. so exaggerated that it is not something that you would normally see. Yeah. So, like, yes, you have the sorceress character with these incredibly large breasts. That poor woman is going to have back problems for the rest yeah. of her mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. uh, Reminds me a bit uh, the whole figure and presentation of uh, My Shiranui from Pedal Fury and King yeah. of Fighters, you know? Yeah. Like have, but, having everything hang out and bending over. Yeah. yeah. But then also, I mean, and the Amazon we've already talked about has some of the similar things, but she is also ridiculously muscled. Like you look at the, yeah. the dwarf character yeah. and the dwarf character yeah. is almost wider than he is tall. Like yeah, yeah. It, the, the male characters as well as the female yeah. characters are just yeah. like so hyper stylized and hyper um created to be just the past the pinnacle of whatever their particular job would be you know yeah. and just he that it, it it's it's almost silly you know and and I I know that yeah. there are people who who do find that kind of yeah. thing sexy and and that's that's fine that's great you know sure. uh, but for me I don't think it's that so much as it is that it's it's just it, well, yeah. kind of like you said, it's a caricature. It's it's not supposed to be any kind of realistic. Hey, isn't this a hot lady? So, <laughs> I, mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. It, it, I wouldn't say that it didn't bother me at all, but it it did kind of make me think like this is that's not really. I don't. I think that maybe just saying, oh, this is this is too sexy. These breasts are too big. This butt is. I mean, and yeah, mm -hmm. you know, like of course, I I stood my Amazon in the middle of the screen for a little while and made her jump and went, <laughs> look how round her butt cheeks are. And you know, <laughs> yeah, sure, okay, fine. But but I don't think that's you know the the main um the main point of what they were doing here. Yeah, yeah. I also think like um I thought the. Amazon is a wicked cool character, uh, and I was drawn to that character. Uh, yeah, no, not coincidentally, not so much about any sort of perceived sexiness, but I just thought, like, oh, how cool! Like, this was in 2013 when this came out, and you didn't, you, we weren't really very much used to seeing buff women, you know, as a as character. So she's kind of like the yeah. muscle bound barbarian, yeah. high damage dealing character of a party. She's got but all the attributes of 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 every gender. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, and and uh, you know, instead of the uh, the it being a male character, like for example, the uh, yeah the, the Roland character that pops up every now and then, uh, mm. it's it's a female character, which I thought was really cool. And of course, those male barbarians don't wear a whole lot of clothes either, you know. So it sort yeah. of made made sense for me. I have uh, I've read even uh, you know from renowned feminist sources that so that, that is some mitigation for the for the characterization in this game is that the, the the female characters you know are capable they kick ass they're yeah. not they're not they're not the sort of tiny wasted helpless there are some of those in there by the way yeah um, <laughs> but uh but yeah. again it's it's tropes it's i suppose it's it's whether we should as a yeah as a creative species culturally kind of continue to try to challenge those tropes or yeah. whether whether if you lean into them it's think, if you're going to lean into them kind of take the piss out of them a bit so, yeah i think the source is is maybe less interesting in that aspect she's very much like a like a pin-up doll almost you know um yeah. 
So for me, it's one of those cases where um, it's not something that repulsed me, nor was it the main draw for the game for me. Yeah. You know, just the overall art design was. Uh, but at the same time, my fourteen-year-old uh, daughter watched me play for a okay. little while, and she kind of rolled her eyes at what she saw in there. Mm-hmm. And that's also a reaction that I can't just easily hand wave away. You know, that's that's a fair, very fair yeah. response, actually. Do you think I, what, what what do you think your fourteen-year-old daughter would? Would uh, I mean? I assume you know she knows her dad very well. Would would she assume you were playing this game? You know, for other reasons, or would might she actually think ill of you and just think he's playing the game with the big boobs because he likes big boobs? <laughs> no, it's not that. It's not that case. She knows me very well, yeah, and she cool. knows my history with these types of games, and you know, and she she also could see just how wonderful everything else was drawn, and and yeah, uh, exactly, right, and 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 how gorgeous the the, the game as a whole is. Just those uh, aspects. Is, yeah. is it rated M? Um, T on the US box that I'm, I've got in front of me. I was just curious. Yeah. Yeah. I I think I think the the part, and I agree with everything all three of you just said. I think the part where that argument does fall apart a bit is where you have the close up portraits yeah. of certain characters, yeah. uh, particularly. I'm thinking and the, the I don't remember who she is, but the, the, sho- the, lady the shopkeeper who's just kind of yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah where she is just standing. <laughs> like, you're looking at her from upward angle, and she's wearing. Basically, a Melina costume from that lady is uh, going to step on you, and you are yeah. going to like it. <laughs> yeah, like or or in the Mage's Tower, the where you get the branching path, and there's this like bound woman. She's got her hands and shackles above her head. She's draped in a white cloth, and you can see everything. Like there's moments there where I don't think you can separate, um, the visual from the sexual. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't think it's mm. possible, and and. Yeah. And yeah. and I'm not necessarily criticizing those moments. I'm not saying that I was looking at it being like, oh, yeah, or I was looking at it being like, that's disgusting. <laughs> I was looking at that those scenes being like, this is where, like, I would get, like you said, you were getting the eye rolls from your 14-year-old daughter. I was getting the eye rolls from my wife who was sitting on the couch next to me. With the characters themselves, the characters you're playing as, I think a lot of that, um, while valid, as as you've all spoken on, it's, it's it's a, a lot of it's lost in the motion because once I'm playing the game, like I'm not thinking about what the characters look like. I'm trying to sort out the visual noise on the well, screen indeed, and where the enemies yes. were, this, where that. Yeah. Yeah. It's those close up moments where I think you have to kind of raise your eyebrow and be yeah. like, at least think about what's the motivation of this here. Um, I think you can said, still, if you know, again, maybe I'm hand waving, but I don't mean to be. But I think you can still sort of look at those near static screens and say, this is a this is a, a a pastiche, a parody of traditional fantasy art. Uh, excellent post again from our a recent uh, Patreon contributor, Ran. Vanillaware often feels like a company that wasn't founded so much as manifested by the answered Kokoro wishes of a thousand virginal weeaboos. <laughs> Everything they make is so niche that it's often hard to reconcile with the game industry at large. I'd call their work uncompromising, but I don't necessarily mean it as a compliment. All their games have clearly been created with immense passion and love, while simultaneously all sorely lacking a voice in the room that knew it when it was to when to cool it with the boobs. I get that much of the fun of this art style is centred on maximalist exaggerations of each character's physique, and there's a pretty comfortable margin between sexy and an obscenity before God and man. Half the cast is dis- indistinguishable from a deviant art page you'd need to turn safe search off to find. 
The sorceress's walk cycle looks like the third act of a Cronenberg movie about lactation. <laughs> I, th- I think it's a shame that so much inspired visual design gets overshadowed by a few choices that feel leering, cheap and beneath the level of talent on display. It's not my intention to scold or shame anybody, but I think it's irresponsible to put media out into the world that makes people think spines are capable of enduring the payload on display. I, I just want to ran on the Patreon to know I was not laughing at their opinion. I was laughing at that wonderful sentence. About oh, absolutely. That. Yeah. That There's a lot of wonderful a, sentences in there. Yeah. That was just a great sentence. Um, yeah, I think, as you said before, Leon, your mileage will vary. I think that it really is, and I and this is not an attempt to absolve myself of having an opinion on it. It's just there are some people who are going to play this game and say, "Oh, look, fun." Though some people are going to play this game and say, "Are you kidding me?" And it's um, yeah. it's really interesting to see the differences in opinions because mm-hmm. when it boils down to the game, when we get to it in a minute, it it doesn't none of it really revolves around that. But you cannot remove the visual from the gameplay, so it's it's a yeah. it is kind of a a, a real interesting scenario scenario. What's interesting is on page 56 of the art book that I have, they have some concept art from the original Dreamcast version, what as was going to be, from 1998. And it's not nearly, none of the characters are nearly as hyper-exaggerated. But having said that, like the the fighter is a female character in this one, and she has armour on down to her middle, and from her thighs down to her feet but in the middle between her midriff and upper legs all she seems to have is some kind of leathery <laughs> netting <laughs> so um well, that's pretty typical for for female yeah, armor for sure for sure <laughs> uh just leaves a few exposed holes um, I, I am curious um because i i haven't played this or really seen anything about it Mikhail, I, I feel like, and this is just instinct, you are maybe the most likely one to know this, but um, mm. Princess Crown, the game that this was originally mm. supposed to be a sequel to, is yeah. it similar in, in that way, in, in the art style? It reminds me way more of Odin Sphere, actually. Oh. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, it's yeah. more kind of uh, fairy kind tale, of cutesy. Fairy tale, cutesy, a bit more chibi, you know? Yeah. Okay. That whole thing, yeah identifiable drawing style of Kamitani, of course, in there. Yeah. But yeah. A little bit of a different focus. The faces are really as recognizable as the, as the yeah. body, and maybe even more so because he, he varies the kind of the, the overall body style more, but the eyes and things are very distinct to, to his yeah. design, even though they're recognizably manga anime. Actually, that does bring us uh, to something we've already touched upon, which is, I, I think it's a genuine factor with this game, but it is to do with the nature of the art style is that, I think even playing this game solo, there's a legibility issue, a clarity issue mm-hmm. with passing what the hell is going on on the screen a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah agreed. I um, I so I played completely solo both times on Vita, and um, I actually had one random jump in with me one time. It was kind of fun on uh, PS5, but um, but I was always picking up the bones and resurrecting people and bringing along a party with me. Yeah, uh, yeah. when I went out on on my quest and. And essentially, from minute one, the first encounter, um, there is a a real issue in this game of knowing where you are, where your character is, what you're doing. And unless you're pulling off a special attack that kind of takes over the visual field, it it becomes very hard very quickly to parse the what damage is being done. All these numbers are popping off for all the attacks that all the characters are doing. 
Um, yeah, it, it becomes very muddy in motion. Um, not that the art becomes muddy, but just just muddy in how how to keep track of what's actually happening. Yeah. yeah, that's that's kind of the biggest problem that I had with um, co-op. So I played some co-op with uh, Rich, uh-huh. um, our Rich Davison, um, and mm-hmm. uh, we <laughs> neither one of us was really having that good of a time <laughs> because mm-hmm. it was just so difficult to figure out where we were in relation to each other. And then when we had two other um, just, you know, uh, um, bone characters, I guess, I, I don't Played by AI in this case. Yes, exactly. Uh, When we had, I don't know why I called them bone characters, but yeah, you know what I mean. Um, Following on from our previous conversation. Yeah. um, Added to the record. Yes. Two AI characters playing with us. It just, there was just so much going on and so many effects and like spell effects and projectiles and just everything going on all the time, all at once, that it was, it was just difficult to to read the screen as it were. And, you know, sometimes that's, that's fun and that's cool. And, you know, and I had some of that problem as well when I was playing with um, what I did for most of the game, which was to play with three NPCs. I, I, you know, that's some of uh, something of an issue as well, but a little bit less. So I think because you're not trying to coordinate with anybody else, you (laughs) can just kind of go down into a corner if you get stuck and, and, or if you really can't find yourself and, you know, just, kind of recenter a little bit but yeah i i definitely think that it's it's tough or it can be tough i'm sure not everybody i know mikhil is probably going to be like no i had oh i don't know time. <laughs> no 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 i i actually very i very much agree but uh maybe i had the least issues or the least issues i remember when playing with my two friends but that's because we had very designed character roles you know i was the amazon uh, my other friend was uh, uh, the fighter, so he was kind of tanking in the front. Yeah. And I was like... Stick uh, to your part of the screen. I was us- <laughs> using him as a shield pretty much and then ducking yeah. in and out with the Amazon until I started leveling up and I could uh, glass cannon stuff more. And uh, then, uh, yeah, Howard was uh, the sorceress and he was uh, like in the back with massive spells and healing us as we went mm. as well. So we kind of occupied our section of the screen. So we, we got... <laughs> pretty well coordinated when i started using ai companions though uh, and especially getting magic users in there uh it uh, became uh, full-on bedlam of course uh, i I don't want to rag on this too much uh, but uh you know we're of course also making a game which is visually very busy uh so you you start to look into the prioritization of elements what what do you show over which element you know what layers do you prioritize transparencies that sort of thing to Make it as visible as yeah. uh, visually be re- uh, readable as possible, despite everything going on. And I think it's probably an issue of it being so, let's say, hand drawn art focused, where yeah. it's very hard to do uh, a lot of that without yeah. uh, co- without compromising and, yeah. the artwork. Yeah, yeah, for good and bad. Yeah, and I yep. think also with when when you've got um, although the the AI. It plays a reasonable game, I would say. They do tend to all bunch up, so the the screen kind of zooms in and out a bit, right? That's part of the effect of the game. Yeah. So if yeah. it's the more it zooms in, if you're all bunched up, then the the more visual noise there is and and less separation between all. And the thing that really kind of gets me about this is the developers knew this was a problem because they give every character a massive coloured ring around their character yeah. so that you can supposedly <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. all the time. Yeah, yeah. And, in and in it, a sense, that massive colored ring only adds to the visual noise. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, uh, as Mikhail said before, I had a particularly poisonous mix this morning as I was playing, uh, where I had two <laughs> sorceresses, and there was just like seven tornadoes on screen at all times. <laughs> exactly. And, just yeah, like, yeah. and then there's a there's a necromancer like summoning up, turning boxes into like little wood monsters that are now on my team, Which and we're just like, there's like there's like eighteen things happening for my party at once, and I didn't couldn't see myself at all, but the the boss's health bar sure was going down, so I knew we were doing, well, we were doing okay. But yeah, so um, I had to limit myself to like one caster at a time. Like yeah, if I'm taking yeah. if I'm taking NPCs with me, like one like they are incredibly effective, but I can't see what's going on if I have too many of them. Yeah. And and the thing is, it's okay most of the time, especially on normal difficulty, because the game is very much at least until you finish the story once is way more based around your kind of overall level and skills than it is your your ability to play the game in a kind of expertly crafted way it 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 will allow you to progress um by design through the story on the normal difficulty even if you can't really see what's going on i think the biggest problem i had with the game gameplay wise was there are quite a lot of moves that cause you to get disarmed and mm. your weapon will then kind of just drop somewhere on the stage and it's it, i mean again it had they stick a big marker on it but sometimes it's like right on the edge of the screen or in the back of a load of mess and um i found that very frustrating sort of lengthy periods where you were that's only the most uh, with the circle button though that uh make you launch your, your weapon but there are uh also enemies that can knock you down which yeah cause you yeah. to lose your weapon yeah. With the with the Amazon, that was particular. That's the one I spent the most time with. That was particularly frustrating, just because that attack, you'd lose your axe, and all of a sudden, I'd be mashing on square to you know try to take something big down, and all of a sudden, yeah. my damage is doing nothing. I'm like, what's going on? And I I finally get a view of my character. It's like, yeah. oh, no axe. You know, I got to go yeah. find yeah. The, the most, red arrow, uh, pick it up. And the most aggravating uh, thing was uh, getting chased by that red dragon down the hallway, then losing my axe, and then you know the screen. <laughs> Uh, scrolls on know, past. Continue to to scroll yeah, yeah, to scroll yeah. again, and I was just without an axe for a long time. So you I have had to, to die. Fly and kick back. that. Yeah, I had to fly and kick that dragon in the face a bunch of times. Oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> T Bird from our forum says, "Fun while it lasts. The art is gorgeous, although problematic if you don't buy into the hyper exaggerated vision of genre tropes, and at times even if you do." And it features lots of nods to other games and media in the genre. The main problem with Dragon's Crown is that any time the screen gets a bit busy, it becomes very difficult to tell what's even going on. And most of the time, like, it's not that big a deal. Um, yeah. Like, like we were saying, you know, it, it, especially in the early game. But there are a couple of places, like the one, the one that stuck out to me was there's... Um, it's in the second half of the game you need to for one of the talismans um break the gate uh, on with a couple of oh cannons. yeah that was a tough and, one yeah i mean yeah and, and you know you there is a process to it like you get these cannons and you have to pick up a cannonball put it in the in the cannon and then light it with a torch to actually shoot it well finding a cannonball and a torch when all of this is going <laughs> yeah. on on the screen and you're trying to make sure that the cannon itself doesn't get broken it that yeah. one took me a couple of tries just because yeah. Yeah. I, I you know i it wasn't that i was failing it was that i wasn't getting it done quickly enough to actually get the talisman from from that yeah, yeah and exactly. standing in the exact right place on the uh yeah. on the on the axis of the screen to pick things up as well was quite <laughs> finickety at times yeah. that could have been a bit more generous yeah, yeah. 
I had almost the exact same problem taking down the Kraken on the ship, Leah. And it wasn't with knowing where the cannonballs or cannons were. Those were static, but I just couldn't see whether or not I still had a torch in my hand or yeah. not. So it was yeah. the same thing, yeah. yeah. Talk about the audio, uh, which probably doesn't get talked about nearly as much in Dragon's Crown. Um, so yeah, the music uh, by Sakamoto um, is, is fairly recognizably him, certainly in some places. Um, yeah. He is, a, is quite a distinctive composer, but actually not the most kind of um, sometimes with his music. I'm like, well, that could have come from the other game that I know his music from. But this very much sounds like it's specific to the uh, to the piece. And um, yeah, for, for I guess for the first five to ten hours, I played with the original OST, um, which, yeah, I guess, it's you know, synthesizer generated. And enjoyed it very much, and then I switched to the the orchestrated pro soundtrack, and uh, and enjoyed it even more. But I was very pleased that uh, they didn't touch the map, um, the, uh, you know, the music that when you leave the town plays the, with, the, yeah. with the vocal. That's exactly Wonderful. the same in both versions. Which so atmospheric. Yeah, yeah. yeah which for me, the, the the highlight is returning to the tavern after every um, mission, mm. and that beautiful harp. Uh, piece plays yeah, yeah. as you're sorting through and i i just i have that on repeat now that's a, that's in my that's in my wheelhouse of youtube playlist of of you know video game music i listen to on a regular basis i i absolutely love that piece and i think this this game is is for me musically is really a uh a series of highs and lows and, and the 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 interesting thing is that normally in brawlers and any and games of this type i can specifically remember stage music like that's like the, those are the ones that stick out to you but in this game, it's it's almost everything else. It's like the stage yeah, music is agreed. just kind of there. It's good, but it's all of it's all the other themes where you're in other places that that kind of bombast when you enter the adventurers guild. You know, like just like little those little kind of uh, trills and and kind of moves uh, are are the ones that stick out in this one for me. What about the the sounds of the combat? Was that as noisy and messy as the visuals? <laughs> I think it was very fairly well directed, and uh, a lot of the hit effects had uh, good impact sounds. And you know, sometimes with all the voices going through each other, that sounded a bit, little bit messy. But all in all, I think the sound uh, is uh, as almost as big a component to how um, how gorgeous this game is as the uh, the visuals uh, in itself. It complements it very well, and um, yeah, it really adds to the atmosphere of the of the game. And probably the most prominent aspect, certainly at first, and and maybe maybe to a fault later on, uh, as I turned it off due to repetition, is is the narration. So the characters, although they all have voice actors, some well known. Uh, I'm specifically talking about the English language version. Um, so Yuri Lowenthal plays the wizard, for example, who people will probably know as Peter Parker and Spider Man from Marvel's uh, the recent ish PlayStation game. Um, it's the the default narrator. Now you can change this. Uh, this was actually a DLC that they added uh, after the game's release to allow you to have narration from any of the characters in the game, any of the 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 six. Um, but the default uh, default narrator is uh, one JB Blanc, who has the most uh, phenomenal CV um, of uh, three hundred and forty plus credits, many many video game ones, including lots of kind of you know, lower down the cast list ones of extra, you know, additional voices and things like that. Um, Not current... related to Mel Blanc, is he? Oh, I, that would be amazing. Um, but <laughs> I don't think so. 
he's born in Paris to a, to an English mother and a French father. Um, God, that would be so cool. Uh, but yeah, he's um, he's he's appeared in if you if you can think of something, he's probably been in it. But he's uh, you know he's also like oh wow done three episodes of Better Call Saul and things like that. So he's uh, he's not just a you know uh, someone going yikes in the background of a of a Star Wars game. He's uh, he's, not to, he's got chops. Not to take a complete detour, he does the voice of Rost in both Horizon that's right. games, and yeah. that's one of the strongest vocal performances in either of those games. I. That's that's really that's really impressive to me because it's also very different than the narrator in this voice uh, in the in Dragon's Crown. So clearly yeah. a lot of range there. You might have been in in that uh, that Shimigami Tensei game that you covered recently. I think possibly I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but Let me see. Uh, I'm looking. Yeah, Uncharted. Be honest, infamous. I did not use the original narrator. I used the Japanese sorceress. Cool. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> The credit for that would go to uh, Kikuko Inoue. All right. Got it in front of me. Um, Famous for, uh, she was in Luna the Silver Star and Project Cross Zone. Uh, She's in the Japanese version of Hi-Fi Rush. Oh, cool. And Forspoken. Um, There you go. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think um, JB Blanc does a great job. Like, even though I ultimately turned him off because... (laughs) He says the same things every time you go into the level. That's not his fault. That's the that's the designer's fault. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it but it but he does give give it that sense of like the you know Jim Henson's storyteller kind of thing. Yeah, very much so. Like that cadence and an intonation and that sort of uh, sense of wonder that sometimes sleep you know seeps into his voice. Um, yeah, very cool. Like uh, like yeah, a storyteller slash dungeon master type of yeah. thing going on. Yeah. And he does different characters along the way as well, doesn't he? When you meet up with, with people. Yeah. Yeah. Nick Fontana from our Patreon says, I love how intimate the experience is with the narrator telling you, uh, detailing your deeds and encounters. A fun little secret, you can actually change the narrator's voice to that of one of the adventurers you play as. Each has a separate voice that can narrate your tale. I played Amazon, so I tested out her voice for a good couple of quests, but of course, the original narrator's suave tone won me over. Let's get into the game. Choose your character is, I guess, the first thing. I think we've already all said who we played. Um, but yeah, what were the what were the pros and cons? And were there ever any times you kind of wished you were trying something else did any, did anyone has anyone played with more than say one or two of the characters anyone tried them all out not tried them all i, I played three primarily i completed the game as amazon and elf well, and then good. was playing through as sorceress um there's something that, that this can be super specific if you haven't played the game the amazon has this jumping spinning axe attack that yes. is just <laughs> just yeah. phenomenal i I mean, for bosses, for I mean, the hitboxes in this game are quite generous, and it just, oh man, it, you land that correctly, you get five, six, seven hits, and it, it feels fantastic. Mm, so, especially it, with all the flying enemies around and those bosses that are up high in the stage. Yeah. Oh yeah. gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I found my time with the elf to be interesting. Um, I would have liked to play that with other human players. Um, but at that point, I had so many leveled up NPCs that I could do levels well ahead of my, you know, my my, my level to yeah, do. Yeah. But um, but yeah, the the range thing uh, was interesting. They actually, uh, I'm not sure if anybody else has played it as the elf. Um, you have limited arrow stock. You pick up more throughout the levels, but mm. you can actually run out of arrows and then have to get in and do melee with your bow. So it, it 
they can create some risk reward mm. scenarios there, which is which were it was pretty interesting there. I didn't play the elf, but Rich did, um, and yeah, I, I noticed that 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 was um, maybe not a problem, but like it it lent another dimension, kind of to having to figure out where you are on the screen versus where mm-hmm. you can get more arrows and and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, but yeah, I feel I feel like the Amazon in particular is very good as kind of a solo character um or you know Mm. even if not solo like solo but with ai as well um because she's kind of tanky um and and i I, i'm sure that if i had to guess probably the dwarf and the fighter are similar um Mm. just because the amazon actually has pretty low defense because she has a regrettable lack of armor that she wears so she she takes she takes (laughs) a lot of damage as well uh, she's kind of a glass cannon character, but she she and the wizard have the highest DPS in the game in the end. So you can absolutely wreck stuff mm. with her. Uh, so it's more like, you know, offense versus defense with her. And um, yeah, she, she has a lot of tools. And, and you if you level up certain skills of her, she becomes like a like a Marvel versus Capcom character, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Mm. yeah. And because I was playing with people in the same room um, and we had to go into the menus to deck out our characters with skills, I at least have a fairly clear idea of what the fighter, how you can build that character, what the sorcerers are, what the sorcerers are like. Uh, other than that, yeah, I have to definitely try out more stuff. But it's interesting to see that you can vary your character build so much with the with the different skills you can pick and also all the equipment and, and everything. There's quite a lot of depth there which uh, which impressed me um yeah and it also speaking just for the amazon it also um made clear to me that in initially you seem like to have a very limited set of moves you know you can't do much and it feels repetitive like you're doing the same thing over and over again yeah. but once you start unlocking those various skills yeah you can really uh flesh out your repertoire quite a bit I think maybe I did myself a disservice by playing as fighter listening to this in that uh, I've enjoyed my time with the game end of podcast spoiler, but I was (laughs) always wondering if it could have felt more interesting and engaging and exciting on a moment to moment basis. Like I'll, I'll hack and slash my way through levels and obviously I'm playing in co-op with uh, NPCs a lot of the time and they're doing cool things like, as you say, making, making, tree sprites out of planks of wood and things like that um but i never really felt like the fighters attacks felt that good to me like or sounded Mm. that great there's a lot of you know swishing of swords and and you know there's you know there's one where you jump up in the air and i I guess maybe it's similar to the amazon's one but you kind of swing the sword around 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 and it does a lot of hits and the numbers fly off and it's okay but I guess I was—I never felt like uh, as soon as I jumped into playing the the old Capcom game, Sh- uh, Shadows Over Mystara, I was yeah. I was like, oh, this feels meaty, like this feels solid. Um, where in a way that Dragon's Crown never did for me, but it might be that I just never used the right attacks or in the I think so. right way. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, the the fighter is very much the tank. You know, like mm. you're just. Uh, Take, taking hits for people because you have an ungodly amount of defense in comparison to the other characters. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you do have a little bit of a stumpy gladius-like sword, right? Yeah. It doesn't have massive reach or anything. No. Yeah. No, and it doesn't really knock. There, there aren't, like, 
uh, I was doing a lot of kind of uh, drop attacks, you know, jumping above and slamming yeah. down, and that, and that's you know that was it was as I say it was all none of it felt horrible, um, yeah. apart from some of the you know the things we already touched on with the visual clarity and things yeah. like that, but but none of it ever like. I was never having that kind of buzz from yeah. moment to moment. I would I definitely suggest Amazon. She yeah. she's got par- parries, and then uh, if you level it up, she actually gains uh, uh, several seconds of invincibility from that. Mm. Then she has several moves that sort of increase her berserk rage, so you start doing even more damage, and then you can augment that again with with uh, strength increasing potions. So you do like stupid amounts of damage. Mm. Uh, and she also has, yeah, she has a lot of fun moves. She can even do a projectile attack, yeah. like uh, yeah. fighting game style, where she slams her axe in the ground and a shockwave travels across. And if you level that up, you can do a like a full screen shockwave to to enemies. Yeah, there is some there's some shockwave stuff on fighter, but I, I, yeah, maybe I just wasn't using it right. I don't know. I mean that, and and in a way, maybe that's I could sort of level this as a slight issue that I have with the game, which is that you can really get by by button bashing a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. It, the the challenge of this game, and as someone who's played a lot of Odin Sphere over the years and, and mm. got the, the, the upgraded version that I can never pronounce, I apologize. Um, Leave like, the rest of you. Yeah, thank you. Um, it, Maybe. It, this game's challenge in, in, its, in its moment-to-moment combat never poses too much of an obstacle and when it was an obstacle it was just oh i got to do a couple side missions and just level up a few times get right. get another get an a ranked uh axe instead of the c1 i've been using yeah. and for my next level like it was always a gear or level thing not necessarily a what did i do wrong type of thing now that does yeah. change when you go into hard and i don't know, presume even more so in the next level up and specifically mm, yeah. what they do is I completed all the quests on the default difficulty, every single one. But then on the next level up, there are a whole bunch which demand, dictate that you turn all your CPU allies off. They have to be done oh, in solo. Oh, interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. then okay. you have to learn how to play the game, basically. Yeah. <laughs> that was actually where I really started learning yeah. uh, my character more because then you didn't have all the exactly. mess and all the spells flying around and everything. Yeah. Because even when I didn't take people with me, they just started jumping in halfway through the stage, you know? Yeah. Uh, so when I turned that off, oh, now I can really focus actually on the, the fighting systems and, and everything. That was uh, yeah. That was really good. But it also feels a bit scary and lonely. And also, so like even despite that, while I think some of them feel quite well judged in in the sense that yeah I like would pick my way through them and maybe lose a couple of lives towards the end and then even have to use a continue at times which just costs gold. Um, but I always felt like yeah actually if I leveled up a couple more times then I could probably just yeah do it without all the without without the getting good part um <laughs> yeah so yeah i mean i i approve of games that like yeah. actually allow people to play in the way in which you know if you want to grind and button bash like because that's that's how you want to do it then then cool i mean i'm probably closer to that in say elden ring than a lot of like fromsoft fans are because i'm not you know don't feel skilled enough to to do it the way where you never level up mm. and you never take a hit or whatever because it's beyond me but um, but here I I kind of, because I've, you know, spent decades of playing traditional brawlers pr- and falling in love with the ones like Streets of Rage 2 and, uh, and, and Golden Axe that I could, that I just got really, really good at by learning and practicing and learning and practicing. 
the the kind of the button bash s- sort of style feels a little less nourishing and and yeah as i say that was even the case in replaying tower of doom and and shadow uh over mistara like the first game is very much the philosophy is um that it's going to take your money off you in the, in that case it was an arcade game so real cash um whereas in in this game if you play it that way and, and you don't level up enough it's going to take your in-game currency off you yeah certainly a game that wants the player to be comfortable with replaying levels over and over oh yeah and i don't just mean that (laughs) in the sense of like there's a couple branching paths you're going to replay the beginning like like it's designed for you to get loot and to upgrade your stuff and to get enough xp to get to that next level so you can equip the level 28 axe or or what have you and and choosing what gloves you want to wear or what accessories and things like that it's definitely a loot inspired game so um if you're comfortable with that, if you like those types of games, like, oh, I'm just going to replay this and see if I can find a couple S-rank chests, you know, along the way, then, you know, that, that's good. Um, or a couple S-rank rewards off of a boss that's 10 levels below you, but, you know, you can beat it again yeah. pretty quickly. And, and if you're into that, like, this this quickly became very, and this is not an insult, this quickly became a, very, a, a podcastable game for me in yeah. the sense that I would be listening to episodes of podcasts I, I like when just running a few levels yeah. over again just Same. to see what I could get. Yeah, and I've actually left the game installed after finishing it for exactly that reason. Just thinking, mm-hmm. I'll stick, you know, I'll stick it on every now and again and just do a level. And that actually yep. combats counters the the repetition. So the, I mean, the game yeah. has nine distinct stages, uh, each of which ultimately has a branching path. But you will have played each of these a lot of times by the time you get to the end game. Uh, yeah, and. Maybe that's where this is going to lead into our discussion about, like, would this game... Obviously, they wanted to lean into the RPG mechanics and the growth and and the character builds and all that, but was there potentially a more exciting, condensed, traditional brawler game in there? That's exactly what uh, kept bugging me while playing the game, well beyond the points where it wore out its welcome for Mm. me. Uh, That sort of... um idea that yeah this could could have been like a lovely concise uh you know ha- constant high uh more arcade style um experience and you you it kind of exposes uh for me also the the weaknesses of rpgs and especially japanese rpgs that are just are really bloated and really padded you know like mm-hmm. it doesn't need they don't often they don't need to be that long you know of course Fans of those games really appreciate that mm-hmm. uh, that they got a lot of lot of th- time uh, out of it. But yeah, um, I-, I think what turned that sentiment around for me a little bit in the end is in the late game I started discovering, hey, you can actually play this fairly skill skillful. Right. You know, it's it's it isn't just about the numbers and yeah. the damage output. Doesn't matter. It still means that because. There is very much, you know, it, it very much goes in that direction that if you are skilled at the game, but you're very underleveled versus a high level boss, even if you're very skilled, it's just going to be a total slug, you know, where you just, where it's going to take, st- it's still going to take ages to take that boss down. Um, so it's not all the way good, but I appreciated that there, tur- it turned out that there was more of an element of skill to it yeah. than I had initially, or not initially, that I, along the way, started th- to think. Leah, you're a fan of uh, traditional JRPGs as well, 
Um, so does the does the marriage of the brawling plus the the JRPG is that add is that added value for you rather than potentially something that feels like a detraction? I I don't see this as a JRPG, or I mean, it's definitely not a JRPG. No, but it literally, is a JRPG. Sure, Japanese, but um, mechanics. I, I, I don't. This seems so disconnected from that type of game to me that I don't. I, it, it seems more like a Diablo type of RPG. Mm, right. So, yeah. I, I, no is is the answer to if it really affects me in in that way. I will say that um, I do not appreciate the fact that you can't play co-op until you are halfway through the story. <laughs> yeah, that weird, was a little ridiculous. ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but you can do that uh, with local play. Funnily enough, though. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, not yeah. an option for me. But um, yeah, yeah I'm I, to, I, I, I'm going to have to fly over or something. I, I, you, I need think to, so. We need to sort I, that out. Yeah. I will drive to if you fly over. I'll drive to Philadelphia. We'll play a party. We'll just spend time. an entire day right. playing Dragon's yeah. Crown together. When right. they yes. invent the teleport? Uh, <laughs> specific uh, tube technology. Uh, specific yes. uh, um, yeah, meetup, but but worth it. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> sure. but yeah. So I, I as to I mean I guess yes it does it does uh, have a tendency to feel a little bit bloated um, just because you do sometimes need to kind of go through things more than once and i i don't i don't think it's that big of an issue just because if you don't want to do that like if that's not what you're looking for out of this game you don't really have to i in my non new game plus on like a normal difficulty didn't really have that much trouble going through the the levels just without having to grind that much mm. um and it your your mileage will certainly vary on that but i it, it didn't get too old for me aside from the fact that you know you, you do kind of have to loop through a second time um but other than that yeah not mm. not a huge problem i i don't think yeah that was that was my experience too leah i think i I tried to take down the red dragon once and failed and then just did like three or four side quests went back and and succeeded. It wasn't much of a yeah. wasn't much of a think about my gear or my approach. It's like, "Oh, I'll make the numbers go up and there mm -hmm. you have it." Let's talk about Rani because that is a, a slightly different mechanic for a belt scrolling brawler. Um not sure if there'd ever been anything quite like it before that I'd come across. Don't know about you, Mikhail. No. Uh, so Rani is is your little uh, helper character, I suppose, who uh, you, in an unusual move, um, I guess on the PS3 version, they just stuck it on the right analog stick. Got a little yeah, pointer. Yeah, exactly. You um, hold the, yeah, you, exactly. You just move the, mm. um, the right uh, analog stick and then yeah. you um, confirm with yeah. L1. Yeah. 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 Context sensitive pointer, effectively. Uh, yeah. which on the Vita, I assume, used the back touch screen, I'm guessing, maybe. Uh, and on the PS4 and 5, you can use the touchpad or the analog stick. Uh, and yeah, Rani opens chests for you and doors, basically. And he levels up as well as the game goes on, making his work swifter. Um, there's also little enemy equivalents to him who come on and nick your loot. Uh, Rani also just picks up things that you leave lying around. 
the other there are some other things you do with the weird floaty pointer which are just touch things in the glint in the backdrop and loot starts yeah. flying out I don't, I don't or, or even inspect bits of the environment and find like hidden yeah. areas and stuff yes so complete it, it's weird like oh let's throw some sort of point and click adventure mechanic it's very in odd there. <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah it's I don't, very strange I didn't, I didn't hate it but i didn't sort of I, I guess it's just something else to do did anyone have strong feelings yeah it feels kind of unintuitive but i didn't mind it very much either yeah so you you do get to the point where um you need to click on runes this in is the where background it gets fidget, fidget, and combine fiddly. them. Yes, yes. And I, I felt like that was kind of a half-baked idea. Like, it, it's only really necessary once or twice. I think you have to summon a magic carpet or something. I was just going to bring that up, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's not it's not used that much for, uh, for, for like, mandatory things in, in the storyline. But also, I think it would have... I would personally have found it a lot more useful if you could access kind of the combinations that you had already discovered without having to go back to town and go into the tower. Like, I I don't remember which which rune it is that I'm supposed to do to summon a weapons cache or whatever. I, I just click on the four of them that I have with the combination yeah. until something works. Exactly. And yeah, yeah I don't know. I, I, I think that's maybe a little bit of a missed opportunity mm. uh, just because it doesn't feel like it's that important. It felt like there was maybe the one or two occasions where it is. Yeah. It felt to me like maybe there was a, the intention was that there was going to be something more, something deeper and more complex in there. Maybe. But in the end, it just this quite weird system where some screens have runes just in the background. And yeah, if you, if you click on them and once you've collected all your runes at whatever point of the game, you do that. Yeah. You just, there are some where if you click on the wrong combo, you can end up with a nothing spell. But generally, it's kind of predetermined that there's only one combo of runes, which will say, yeah. like, if you need a flying carpet, you'll get a flying carpet. If there's a hidden chest in a room, you'll get a hidden chest, that kind of thing. Very strange. And then, yeah, once you include the, the NPCs kind of jerking the camera around as you're trying to click on stuff, <laughs> uh, it's, not, yeah. it's not the slickest. Yeah, jerks indeed. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things that felt like uh like could have had deeper meaning, could have meant more to the game, but then just kind of being like like Leah already said, like a like a mix and match until it does the thing, mm. you know, and um uh I, I I always found it interesting though to like look into the background to see what kind of almost like a like a hidden item puzzle type of thing, like, you know, where yeah. is the rune that I'm looking for? Um uh, it, like you said, Leanne, it, it applies to some side quests where I believe it's. I can't remember exactly how it works. You have to activate a laboratory at one point. Yeah, click by on a hitting sign. Runes and yeah, um, remove some yeah, library so it, books. Yeah, it's it's interesting, but maybe not fleshed out to yeah. a point where it matters much more. Th- except from like Leah said, summoning that said magic carpet or <laughs> opening up the portal to the end of the world to fight the dragon. Or bringing the golem to life. Oh, yes, yeah. smash the, the other one. Life, yep. Here's yeah. my hunch: is that uh, what? The original plan was was that it was going to ask the player to draw runes in the air in the style of black and white, the old Peter Molyneux PC game. Uh, uh, Castlevania uh, game for the DS that does that. And that I don't remember which one. But. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and various, like Akami's drawing. Okami, yeah, yeah. yeah. And because it even leaves a little trail when you, and maybe that's just for visibility, ironically, um, when you use the touch pad. Um, and I think maybe they found in, 
testing that people were not able or the game wasn't able to accurately read what people were trying to draw and that's when they decided to put it on simple colored tiles with preordained shapes on that's just my hunch um could be completely barking up the wrong tree but it had something about it makes me think they were going for something more arcane and and depthy and they ended up with this slightly weird kind of simon says rune system <laughs> rani is an atheist as revealed if you fight the archdemon for too long according to the dragon's crown wiki i don't know what he says but um try and <laughs> try and find out and yes yeah. uh, also the wizard and rani are both voiced by the aforementioned voice actor yuri lantar he says I'm an atheist. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what he says. <laughs> I don't believe in you, Archdemon. Something like that. Something about Renny I found very charming. Just uh, the way he's drawn and the way he sits at that table, just flipping that coin up. He and sounds down. very smug to me. Yeah, he's a, a smug little it. bastard, but but kind of likable at the same time. Apparently, he was yeah. the original design. Uh, he looked more like the the naughty version of his character, uh, but they decided. Damn it! Damn it! Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's a town hub, uh, which you get very used to, uh, which is kind of odd because it's very small and self-contained. It's, everything's in a line, which is convenient. But I think that slightly robs it of a sense of a real place. Um, mm. And it's weird but how what, you... Uh, what what that, that scrolling, though, in different la in layers in the background, oh, yeah. uh, in that open area is just amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Did he... Did we already mention how every time you leave the tavern it says vanillaware? Yeah. That's <laughs> one of my that favorite <laughs> That's one of my favorite parts of this game. Every time you leave the tavern it's like just a the, reminder who brought you this. Like yeah, just, then, I love there's, it. There's an intricate symbol then, uh, which is worn by uh, the storekeeper Morgan on that big staff ah, as well. Good spot. <laughs> if if you if you don't focus on those other things. I was going to say I, I can't say yeah. I noticed, but okay. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, we're, we probably haven't got time to go into the nitty gritty of every location. Um, we talked about the inn, which is fairly self-explanatory. You can save and pick your party. Uh, yeah. The item shop is also, uh, as well as picking up uh, some uh, potions and things like that, as you'd hope, healing potions for within the levels. Also got uh, the repair function because you can actually let your, your uh, items degrade. Uh, completely but not to the kind of the extent and frequency that they do in say breath of the wild um but they i think one of the key uh or not key but one of uh, probably an important aspect of the gameplay that a lot of people will have overlooked myself included for a long time is that actually the game really wants you to do multiple levels in a row rather than mm -hmm, keep yeah. returning to town because you get massive mm -hmm. uh exponentially increasing multipliers but to do that you need to prepare I know you you spent some time with this, Mikko. I bought all the bags and then promptly didn't use them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In, in, initially, also I had two bags, and uh, the other one was just extra items. But uh, yeah, I got a nice three bags. I ended up with uh, you know kind of put together with um, yeah, sort of like occasional sort of items and yeah. and and stuff like oh, this is good for facing a lot of undead enemies. This bag, you know, and mm -hmm. that bag is good for facing like uh, demons and fire and the other one for dragons nice. and that sort of stuff. And then um, what the the mistake that I made is that you still have to equip, let's say, the uh, earrings and the bangles that oh, the, the Amazon no, uses no. in the stage. So just having them in the bag is not enough right, to right. get the effects. Okay. And also I kept repairing what I thought were my S-ranked uh, axes 
but that because I didn't appraise anything lower that had B's and A's, but I, then I started noticing, oh, I should actually be looking at the levels required to wield those weapons. And then mm. it turned out like B-ranked and A-ranked weapons were often much better than my S-ranked weapons yeah. that I kept on repairing. So all of a sudden I had like weapons that did a ton more damage than I was doing all the time before that. Yes. I was wondering if I've rejected a, a load of spoils that are uh, actually better than the ones I've got. Because uh, mm. things tend to scale up as you keep playing, right? In terms yeah. of yeah, so every uh, every level has a bunch of chests which you get Ranny to open or not. I suppose you could go straight past them, um, and they have a loot score, and you get items which apply to that score, which seem to be procedurally generated to some extent. There's a lot of different things with different perks and pluses and minuses and things like that. Um, but then they all have a grade from E to S and. Uh, is it D to S or E? To, yeah, it's E. e. Um, mm-hmm. And then, yeah, it's very easy like, to, yeah, just go, well, it's not, it's not as high a rank as what I've already got, but actually it's kind of the rank relates to the level of the item. You see what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I <can> see that. <laughs> uh, Lucane's Tower, which isn't open at first, um, but uh, you, can, you need to buy a couple of runes in there but that also has your magic items so i guess uh that i didn't use that much because i was a fighter but i guess you need all those rings and things if you're certain character types i use some healing stuff uh from there yeah. despite being a uh a, a melee character but yeah i would imagine that it's more relevant the more magic you're using yeah i think like yeah i would go back there for the next level of healing ring or what have you right right yeah, there's an Adventurer's Guild because it's it's that kind of a game uh, where you get your quests and you also uh, do your skills. Um, it's also where you unlock the game's sort of in-game, I suppose it's like an achievement system, but it's also uh, a bunch of art from, I guess, the team and maybe maybe some other people as well. I'm not sure. There's It's not all Kamitani art, I wouldn't have said. It no, would, they, they. In fact, I think that they. When you unlock the art, it will tell you who's yeah right exactly who the artist is for that particular piece. Yeah, a lot of lot of guests. Uh, yeah. Artists, yeah, yeah. There's some in the art book as well, including um, Akiman from Capcom, his former Ooh. uh nice, his former uh, uh colleague colleague. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I uh, I unlocked one particular piece of art that I really enjoyed, which was the cute hellhounds with the little puppy. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I, I know yeah, exactly awesome. which one you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Some of the art uh, continues the sort of the overtly exaggerated or over-sexualized theme. Some of it doesn't. Some of it's just really cool, pretty, beautiful Japanese fantasy art. So, uh, But you don't know what you're getting until after you've completed the quest, uh, which also mm. gives you XP and um, skill points, which you put into a huge number of, uh, not huge, but a, a largish number of categories um and then i did think that that was interesting that's something that Mm. i i'm not sure i've seen uh an equal system or a a system that handles things quite in the same way because you have kind of two sets of skills Mm. there's ones that are specific to your class um the character that you've chosen and then there's one that's just called i think it's called common Common, um and it's just like things that are applicable to everybody. So, you know, maybe health increases or um, the one that I really ended up liking was the, the one where picking up money uh, restores your health. I liked that yeah. one. Um, oh, yeah. 
Yeah, but, you know, things things that everybody can use and then the more specialized things on kind of a different skill tree. Yeah. Skill wheel, I guess it is. Yeah. Funny that the slide attack was a common skill. Yeah. You yeah. Could, uh, use it for all characters. I skipped past the temple, uh, which is right outside the inn, uh, which is where you can, yeah, resurrect your bones. And again, they you continue to collect piles of bones, which are notionally, but I don't think actually... It's not uh, it's not sort of uh, Dark Souls like um, actual graves of former former warriors. I think they're just sort of randomly, semi randomly dotted throughout the levels. And as you yeah. as you resurrect them back in the temple for money, uh, they will become one of uh, a fairly large. There's quite a pool of names and it will be one of the character types with one of the names and a bunch of, again, presumably randomly or procedurally generated equipment. And then depending on their level, you can either keep them in your party at the inn you can tell them to sling the rooks or you can just decide that you don't want them to come back to life and bury them uh, and there's a <laughs> smallish chance of getting some potions and rewards for doing that as well as an agnostic it was uh, tough for me to get past that i needed to pray the temple yeah. also but it's very useful to, to uh especially the the one that gives you like boosted experience and boosted points. Yeah. While while going on an adventure, if you combine that with chaining a couple of uh, stages together, you can uh, right. Yeah, you can level up uh, yeah. pretty fast. That makes sense. Uh, there's a castle which there's a few story beats early on, but really that that seemed to just drift off after a little while. Like it, it sort of gets you going, and there's a princess and a guy and another guy who seems dodgy but it's the other guy who's actually dodgy and then the, yeah. that it all just kind of stops <laughs> you gotta love those common names also vivian and dean <laughs> Dean, not not that royal or noble no. uh, if you ask me <laughs> but uh yeah lovely artwork and yeah it pretty much stops uh once the talisman quest starts yeah and uh that's that, that whole part is over with apparently yeah. there's a trophy okay for... go get him bye <laughs> yeah that's it yeah, yeah. <laughs> Apparently there's yeah. a trophy for getting thrown in jail five times or something like that, which I missed, <laughs> um, which is just by going into the location at the wrong time. But uh, yeah, uh, the stables only become available at the point where the so originally you go through this gate, which takes you to any level you want to go to. But then the gate breaks inconveniently and so you have to go riding Again, notionally, there's no actual horses in this game. Um, no. There's some other mounts, though, which uh, which we didn't mention. There's some Golden Axe-style mounts in the levels. Um, yeah. But again, I just wanted to mention, again, from a, a presentation point of view, we mentioned the music on the on the world map screen, but I also, the, the effect when it first comes on screen and it's got that sort of, it's broken up like a stained glass window. It's yeah. just stunning. I just, every time yeah. that, I just like, wow, that looks so good. Uh, back on the rune magic system, T-Bird from our forum says, the rune magic system is terrible, in large part due to the camera constantly shifting during inputs, but thankfully it's optional most of the time. I, I did forget about that until reading that correspondence. It does. Mm -hmm. You're getting ready to hit on the last rune, yeah. and all of a sudden one of your NPCs just decides <laughs> yeah. to walk to the left for no reason. It's like, yeah. oh, where are you going? Yeah. Where are you going? Uh, yeah, that could, be, that could be pretty frustrating. Yeah, as I say, there's a bunch of quests which you'll want to do because of the rewards they offer. Um, but as you can imagine, apart from the odd little bit of scenery interaction, there's a few that are quite sort of slightly puzzly. A couple even that I had to look up what you're supposed to do. Like there's one where you have to, quotes, deflect magic. So 
where you have to yeah. knock a shield off the wall, hold the shield, yeah. then wait to be attacked, and then it opens the door. Nothing, you know, it's hardly super deep. The tricky thing about that particular quest for me was that I I had to go in by myself because if I took NPCs with me, they kept killing the wizards before yeah, I could deflect yeah. them. Yeah, 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 100%. Fireballs. Yep. Yeah. I think that's the yeah. soft entrance to the you're going to have to do some of this on your own kind of mm. idea. Yeah, yeah. I, I ended up doing a lot of the uh, side quests on my own. And uh, yeah, because then um, enemies or or your, your party members don't get in the way and start uh, attacking uh, enemies that you need for certain conditions and also uh one merciful thing is that it's not like you have to um perform certain objectives within one stage or other where otherwise you have to start from the beginning again you know it kept tracking for example how many owlbears i had already killed and, oh the skill yeah so the quest tracking is yeah. great i think yeah yeah, yeah. it is you can just. I was going to bring up the Albert quest because I spa- I <laughs> because I Leah will understand this. I know I'm a very checklisty gamer. I oh, love yes. checking off those lists of the quests and and I I spammed the beginning of the Mage's Tower for about 45 minutes just to spawn Albert yeah. to kill for that quest. <laughs> yeah. um, I really I got a lot of enjoyment out of that. It it was a nice. Um, you're already revisiting levels anyway, right? So like this is just gives you another reason to do so. Like oh I. I didn't think I had to go back to the cove, but yeah, oh, it turns out there's another path here. If I do something specific here, um, it'll trigger the side quest or I can finish, knock this one off. So um, just kind of became an, another, rather than just going there to get loot, to level up, like it was good reasons to revisit places that you had already been. And in some cases, finding some puzzles that um, I tried like mad to solve that colored rune puzzle on the floor yeah. where you had to step on the different uh, oh, yeah. without without realizing that i needed to accept the side quest first yeah, before exactly. i could actually yeah. solve it i yeah. looked yeah. i actually looked that one up because i was like I, I tried a bunch of different things and i was like yeah. i just can't, can't and then i yeah. looked it up and like, i was like oh okay. can you actually <laughs> can you activate it if you haven't yes. taken the quest right okay yeah i was like trying to do roy g biv like i'm yeah, gonna yeah, go yeah. right down the spectrum do all the thing nah nothing but uh, but yeah interesting reasons it actually to, just tells you some of the things. solutions within the quest text yeah. 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 So there's, as I say, nine levels and a total of, I suppose, n- is it 19 bosses if you include the final, final boss? Um, path A and Path B. Path B is open up once you're on the the talisman's quest. Um, yeah, but uh, rather than talking about getting yeah too specific about individual bosses, um, how do you feel about boss fights as boss fights go within this kind of genre or this genre mashup um Mikhail, do you think uh, like i i suppose i'm, I'm leading off with a, my point which is i suppose i think that maybe they fall between the stools of as as the gameplay as a whole does for me which is that it sort of partly seems to want you to learn their patterns and learn their attacks and learn their animations and that kind of thing but then also yeah. you can just Again, you can just get get a party full of people and just kind of mash and just dodge sporadically yeah. and not not be very tactical about it. It feels like the bosses themselves, yeah, you can ignore a lot of the game's mechanics for and it's more about, you know, number crunching. Uh but there are some interesting um uh, you know, I I'm not too happy about the red dragon fight, for example, mm. with that running down the hallway <laughs> and picking up the shield to, sh- to shield, and then uh, the bit at the uh, the crumbling uh, yeah walls. 
Um, but yeah, there are a few things that have a little bit of an of an interesting angle to them. Um, but yeah, it's they they aren't too tactically demanding. They don't typically they don't um, they don't require to to switch up tactics that you already have in place that prove uh, prove uh, yeah to do well during the stages. Yeah, I mean I appreciate the fact that. Uh... That yeah, it's it's not like then they're they're unlikely to be just um, yeah, you know, some blocks of, beyond having to level up. Yeah, it's, it's, and some of them are weak to certain attacks, or yeah. you know, are, are resistant to certain attacks, and some of them fly, so you need to use more air attacks. There's a little bit of that, but not. It's not. It doesn't go much deeper than that, you know. Did uh, Brian? Did you dread them or or excited for them, or it, somewhere between the two? Yeah, kind of somewhere between. I think some of the visual were were better than the fights themselves. Like, I was right. specifically thinking of the Chimera mm. in the Mage's Tower. I think that oh, was yeah. just really cool. Like, mm-hmm. that you, was could really put cool the, yeah. you could put one of them to sleep while the snake is poisoning you and the lion's head's breathing fire. I think it's pretty neat. Um, I really like both the Vampire and the Wraith bosses, not necessarily for fights, just for visual style and, yeah. and kind of the story leading up to there where you're kind of saving you know, the, the captives on the way to the fight. And um, and, and they get turned into vampires yes, as well. Yes, yeah. exactly. So there, yeah. there, there is a little bit to it for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it, most of it, it was just kind of um, like a means to an end, right? You know, you're 10 minutes into a level and you know the boss is probably going to be there soon and and you're just hoping to take it down. There there was nothing... I, I don't want to... I feel like it's more, of, more insulting. It sounds more insulting than it is to call them not memorable, but there weren't that many that I... like like jump out at me in this because most boss fights like the boss comes out cool visual flourish and then i'm doing the exact same thing the exact same inputs to take down the bosses yeah. so yeah similar feelings Leah. yeah i i don't really have much to add to that just it's it's i i found that they were impressive spectacles but like Brian was saying, they all kind of come down to something similar. Well, not all. There are a couple that have, you know, kind of tricks to them. But uh, mm. largely, they are kind of similar in the way that I approached them. And maybe that's just me, you know, maybe as it... I would guess that once you get into some of the higher difficulty levels, that there are probably uh, a lot more factors that you need to consider yeah. in some of those boss fights. Mm, but uh, at, at a base level, I don't think that they're um, too much of a, a block from. from yeah, anything. exactly. Elevated though, I think by their tasteful uh, flashing purple health bar, you know, <laughs> yeah. 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 the one, the one thing I like to add, my favorite part of any boss fight is when my three NPCs would be up hitting the boss and I would just go to the corner of the screen to stand still and eat some fruit for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> just stand still, <laughs> eat some fruit. They'll, re- they'll take yeah. care of it for the next 30 seconds. I'm just going to uh, regain my health confirmed, here and then go back in. <laughs> the NPCs can actually kill a boss after you yourself yeah. are dead. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 yeah we, that was one mechanic we didn't mention, which again is slightly different to other games of this genre. If, if well, which, whichever genre we're putting this in, but yes, you pick up uh, meats and fruits and other goodies from the floor because it's a video game and a brawler. Um, <laughs> and you can go over your allotted HP max via munching on things, basically up to a, up to another limit, uh, which is, yeah, it's pretty fun and handy. And um, yeah, the animation kicks in almost instantly that you stop moving. So, yeah. uh, so there so is. I take this big chunk of cheese out of mm. my pocket that I found in this <laughs> box in, in a yeah. dungeon in a sewer. Most cheesy. Or, uh, if, if, you're, 
if you're the Amazon, pull out a piece of cheese from I don't even know where. Yeah, <laughs> she has no pockets. Uh, is yeah. that a piece of peas? P- piece of peas? Piece of cheese in your pocket? Or were you pleased to yeah. see me? The Killer Rabbit boss fight is a clear reference to the rabbit yeah. of Ken Banog from. Monty that was Python really funny. I didn't expect to see that. The funny thing is uh, that uh, it's not just the killer rabbit, even the uh, dodgy wizard dude uh, that right. points you towards it is uh, very much like Tim the Enchanter. Yeah, from, uh, yeah there are some that group. call me Tim. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, it's you know, it's a it's a good uh, a good yeah. pointer that um, along with and it was along that, with them that's one was, for the kids. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it was leading up to that uh, whole bit as well because you see these growing piles of bones as mm. you grow. <laughs> exactly. As you, yeah. as you come closer to the <laughs> den of the, the killer rabbit. I soloed the killer rabbit the second time around uh, when I, I was just grinding a bit. Uh, and it was very satisfying because I started to, to get into the pleasures of axe throwing. And I finish it off with a mighty slung X uh, right into it. <laughs> yeah, that, that boss fight was actually kind of tough, not because the rabbit was doing so much damage, but because it's so small. Yeah. You're used to these, <laughs> these, you know, screen filling bosses that you can kind of hit yeah. just from wherever. But yeah, you actually had to track where that little guy was going yeah. and, uh, yeah. and, you know be there that is what uh, what got arthur and his knights as well yeah so well, yeah what without the holy hand grenade of antioch i, I don't know, know i did yeah. not have that yeah. that's, in, that's in worms yeah. i think yeah you need to get it from worms <laughs> um yeah. yeah and also uh, uh props to the developers for putting in uh slow-mo ko on the uh on the bosses because yeah. that was really good was a win. Yeah. um yeah, another mechanic that again that i pretty much missed by because of my sort of uh slightly compulsive need to return to town after each fight is if you do chain levels together it opens up a whole mini game where you go to camp and you do cooking and there's and in fact i was looking at this art book earlier and there's pages and pages of drawings these delicious looking drawings of of all the Mm. the, all the snacks and foods um the mini game is pretty simple cooking game stuff but it's not unenjoyable and and actually yeah uh, you you engage with this a bit more i think mikhil than i did yeah, for sure. If you chain several stages together, you get uh, at certain points there are cooking bits. And it's very funny. For example, if you defeat the Kraken boss, uh, then you get uh, to cook some uh, yeah, some squid, some tentacles, yes. for example, <laughs> and, and things like that. Uh, yeah, really cool. And also reminded me of uh, Muramasa, where there's a yeah. delicious cooking mini game as mm. well. It all never failed to make me hungry when I was doing it. <laughs> Uh, George Kamitani, talking about the sort of uh, what we talked about, the fact that the game starts off fairly simple and uh, and accessible and then gets more challenging. Uh, George says, compared to arcade games that you can play with a single coin, consumer games are quite expensive, especially if you don't put cross buy in, George. They hold no value to players unless they are able to see the story progress. Uh, progress. The normal difficulty in Dragon's Crown was created so that almost anyone will be able to progress through the story all the way to the end. Most people can reach that point by levelling up and acquiring good weapons without the necess- necessity of too much skill. Dragon's Crown is aimed to recreate the enjoyment of an arcade-like side-scroller, so there must be some challenge. For that reason, the hard and inferno difficulty levels are there, along with other gameplay challenges like the 99-stage random dungeon and combat between players. At the Inferno level, you will not see much character stat growth, so your survival will be up to your technique, unique character skills, and making use of rare equipment. Yeah, basically play the game for 30 to 40 hours, 
And this is kind of an issue for me in a way, because as we've said earlier, like the, the, the base game, fun as it is and beautiful as it is, is kind of repetitive. And so yeah. the idea that I'm going to keep playing it for another 30 to 40 hours until it like unlocks the get good bit, <laughs> the bit where you have to learn how to play it. Um, yeah. It's a bit of a non I'm a little bit more optimistic because I started enjoying the combat and the, yeah. the, the skill in it uh, a little bit more, but I still agree with you and like imagine if you would if this game would be an arcade game and you would have all those abilities unlocked from the start you know instead of sporadically getting them getting decked out with yeah. them over the course of uh about 20 hours that i put into it trophies wise uh there's not that much to talk about um but uh most of it is uh you know complete the game as the different characters complete the game on the harder difficulties collect the art is the main one where i keep unlocking trophies for collecting more and more and art, more and more art but i do that is a that the combination of the trophies for that and the actual art in the game is a reasonable motivator which are probably the reasons that i will keep the game installed uh, there's a few sort of time, time-based ones. Uh, so, uh, apologies, you have to get thrown in jail ten times to get the trophy, not just five, Ooh. as I said earlier. Uh, you can clear all nine stages without returning to town for a bronze. Um, you can be champion of the Colosseum, which I think is is that fighting other that's that's fighting other humans, isn't it? Um, so goodness knows whether you can actually still get that one at this point mm. um, there's a quest tied to it as well which is basically enter the coliseum i think and yeah win 10 fights i think it must be the same trophy but in game so yeah who knows whether people are, are actually playing it um there's one for dealing over one hundred thousand damage in one hit uh i don't think i've dealt more than one thousand yet let alone a hundred thousand but i could be wrong maybe uh, and there's also an uh, one a silver for earning over five million points in one yeah, adventure. Yeah, I saw that one. Yeah, I checked to see um, to to try to like extrapolate how how close I was to that, and it turned out I was not close. <laughs> <laughs> so so I was like, it's like, oh, maybe I'll get close to this if I keep going through and play through with every character. And it's nah, it's got to be it's got to be the new game plus and beyond that that will get you to that level. I'm sure. Talking about online multiplayer, uh, I did accidentally find myself doing it because I did the thing where you go to the stables and then it says, do you want to turn the online on? And I did. And then I uh, and I didn't have a full complement of AI characters. And so some I think one or two randoms dropped in um, the, the problem. The lag was just I mean, the fact that anyone was there was encouraging. But um, but like I could it was no longer recognizing when I picked up loot and things like that. So. I had the weirdest thing when I got some uh, help from from people online, yeah. uh, quote unquote, that all of them were just AFK. They were just standing in a corner, uh. and I had to push the, I had to push the screen <laughs> along and sort of drag them with me without them doing anything. And I was thinking very quickly already, mm. this is not going to be any, uh, this is not going to make any sense. So then I dropped out of the yeah. quest and. Uh, I wonder if there's a trophy or something that maybe they were going for just like if there was one for just playing online, but I, I don't think there was one in the list because that, that can be a danger with online based achievements and trophies where you just get people yeah. trolling or whatever. Uh, yeah. Hmm. If it were all of them, maybe it was like a connectivity issue. Maybe. Could yeah, be. maybe. Yeah. Could be. It was weird that all three of them were just yeah. hanging out in a corner. Not you don't have anything. funky internet anymore, Mikhail either no no 
<laughs> funk it all. Uh, no funk in my internet. Alex79 <laughs> from our forum says, my main issue with the game was that it wasn't what I wanted it to be. But that's not the game's fault. I'd have loved a linear arcade style brawler set in a world with those visuals. But what I actually got was more akin to a 2D action RPG with plenty of grinding and repeating stages, which, for whatever reason, didn't really gel with me. I think there was probably a good game in there, but without the instant gratification that came with the gradual character building and loot system, I lost interest fairly quickly. Yeah, uh, I can I can understand that. Yeah, a bit of other media, the artworks book that I mentioned. Now, um, I've got the softback, as I say, which was free with the game. Uh, the hardback, I, I've just looked it up in a couple of places and it seems to be going for between 70 and 100 pounds. Um, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. I was looking at it the other day. Crazy. So um, yeah. maybe I should sell this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You really got to love your exaggerated boobs. Yeah, I guess. Well worth Yeah, Well worth it. Yeah. There was an official manga um, which came out in three volumes back in back near the time, I guess. I think it was translated as well. I think I've seen it knocking around. I could be wrong about that. Uh, and the game was also referenced in another manga more recently called, uh, I don't know it, called Goblin Slayer, uh, in which the Amazon makes a cameo and the archer character in the thing is based on the elf from Dragon's Crown. Finally, from Nix Fontana, from our Patreon again. The gameplay of this little gem of a game lends itself well to the idea of pick up and play. Tired after a day of work and need something relatively simple yet eye-catching and fun? This game has you covered. Also fair. Yeah. We also have a little appropriately four-player group of three-word reviews. Bearfish Pie says, Stretching Fabric and Credulity. T-Bird says, what's going on? It's Hayes Hill says, I think there may be some innuendo here. It's very hard. Yeah. <laughs> what is very hard, Hayes Hill? <laughs> Tom says, game. slick RPG brawler. Yeah, uh, there we go. Thanks one and all. Continue to follow us on social media at Kane and Rince. Now to summarize, I suspect we're all going to come out in a similar sort of place in terms of how much we like the game. Um, so I'm just going to go in alphabetical order, I guess. Brian? <laughs> uh, yeah, so this Dragon's Crown is interesting uh, for a lot of reasons. Uh, and I'm, I've grown really back into enjoying Brawlers way more than I, than I did. And, and over the course of the last year, I can really attribute that love to games like TMNT Shredder's Revenge and Dragon's Crown like uh, I have very fond memories of playing this game um it's not I don't think it could be the it could be the deepest brawler out there but I don't know that because I wasn't willing to engage with it on that level um but what I did have was a really fun and engaging time I think the artwork's incredible I think the soundtrack is is great and I, I had a lot of fun you know checking out the list doing those quests and and going through the game I it it felt very much to, to me like uh, I couldn't believe I didn't finish the game in 2014 because it seemed like a game that's very much up my alley. But now kind of going back to it with this lens I have in 2023 is I, I think that it does a lot of things very capably and well without necessarily being extraordinary at anything. Um, but that's 
that's cool because that that serves a place in my gaming repertoire that 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 it, it's become that podcast game as leon said i still have it installed not just because i was playing it this week i didn't delete it today because we were recording the podcast i um i went back in about an hour before time of recording loaded up my game and played two levels as a sorceress and my, and my feeling was yeah this game slaps like this game is mm-hmm. fun this game is cool this game uh, does a lot of things really well and and i've come to appreciate it for what it is to me um if you're someone who wants to really engage with the difficulty thing i believe that it's there i can't speak to it myself but um but for me it's just there's it a really comfortable experience that i'm really glad i got to play through for this podcast and aside from everything we talked about earlier with the controversy over the visual style and everything else i think that it would be tough to play this game and not have a good time and i think when it comes to recommending a game like like yeah like oh should i play dragon's crown absolutely it's really fun <laughs> you know and like it's very it's a very generic recommendation but yeah i think i think anybody who enjoys these types of loot based brawler games would would come to dragon's crown and especially for the price it's at now like i th- i think you could do a lot worse for five dollars your money mm. i think that's fair to say great stuff leah how about yourself yeah i i i don't i don't have uh too much to add to that i i think that this is a um pretty straightforward but fun game that has some really nice visuals if you are not overly concerned with the fact that some of it is pretty exaggerated and if you are that's fine yeah i mean it's not like a must play absolutely all-timer for me Mm. I, uh, but I do think that it's it's worth it. Like like Brian said, and like we've said a couple of times, it is a uh, a fairly inexpensive game these days, and I, I think that it's worth that if you have that knocking around and you are interested in this kind of title. Um, it's not anything particularly complex, but there's enough here to keep you going, and it's nice to look at. And if you have uh, some local friends who might be interested as well, um, then it sounds like that's maybe a really good way to uh, to experience this. So, uh, yeah, I, I I enjoyed my time with this. I don't know that I'll be going back to it uh, for kind of just general play, but that's only because I also bought Theater Rhythm last week and <laughs> I cannot stop. I am incapable of stopping. Please, someone help me. Um, but, but, but yeah, it is, it is, as people have said, uh, good for that as well. Um, we, you can, um, you can cut, just kind of, you know, pick away at it or you can really go all in if you want. So, uh, yeah, I'd say give it a shot if you have it uh, available to you and, or are willing to drop uh, a little bit of money. And, uh, and, you know, just look at the pretty colors. It's a very pretty game. <laughs> yeah. All I heard then, Leo, was, uh, Leon, you should take Theatre Rhythm off your wish list and start playing it. So thanks oh. for that. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's very good. <laughs> so Dragon's Crown, uh, I probably don't like enough to have justified the two full price copies I bought <laughs> of it, uh, especially given that. <laughs> By the time I finished it, you could buy it for a fiver. But hey, that's welcome to being a serious, uh, dedicated, committed, lifelong hobbyist gamer. Um, it's an interesting one in, for, in that for me, it, um, it's a game that got both more and less interesting as time went on. More in that the, the more you play it, the more it kind of reveals its depths and systems and 
you start to appreciate and understand some of the mechanics that are going on a bit better. It actually becomes less button bashy and slappy and grindy and more tactical and uh, and thoughtful uh, and about your preparation and your knowledge of the levels and enemy types and things like that. Whereas at first, yeah, it's pretty much geared so that you can just hammer the square button and uh, and finish the game to a great. Not that's not that's not strictly fair because you do have to still engage with the hub world and things like that to a degree but broadly but less interesting as it goes on because you end up replaying the same sections over and over and over and over and over again and as gloriously painted as they are albeit as we say some may find some of the art problematic and as leah says if you do that's cool just don't play the game um there are other things to play um so yeah it it comes out in the in the uh I like it. It's uh, I had had some enjoyable times playing it. I think it's probably now better served by me picking at it, poking at it sporadically when I fancy looking at at those uh, glorious paintings and just smacking some monsters about the place for a bit. Um, But of course, yeah, the irony is there that if I actually step away from it now, I'm probably going to come back to it at a point where the game is a little bit too hard for me to have done that. So we shall see. There's still some more pretty artworks to cover. Um, But yeah, for a fiver, I mean, yeah, if you don't have any issues with the art style, then it's worth trying for a fiver on uh, particularly on PS4 Pro or PS5 because it don't look better than that anywhere. Uh, Mikhail. No. Yes. Mikhail. Yes. Hello. Yes. Hi. I'm still here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So Dragon's Crown... Um, is uh, a game that I primarily bought a, a year-old console for already, you know? And um, so so that says something about how much I wanted to play something like this. And I can still confidently say it's. I think it's the best Vanillaware game that I've played yet. I've, I've still to try out 13 Sentinels. Mm-hmm. That's still waiting for me. Um but it's not like a five-star classic by by any means, and that has to do with a lot of things that you guys have already touched on, like the the, the yeah the sort of bloated uh, padding feeling to it all. Um, and I was, you know, just playing by myself as opposed to a group of friends. Uh, I was getting a little bit burned out on it over the past couple of week, or the, over the past couple of weeks. Until I started to discover more of uh, the mechanical depth to it and the joy of, uh, yeah, like leveling up those skills. Yeah, it does. It is a bit stretched thin, uh, to say the least. But at the same time, I'm not completely done with it, uh, having discovered uh, the depth quite late to it. And if we can get a party together all in the same room again. I guess, you know, that's when we're really cooking because that was uh, and, and, you know, even without playing the minigame, because that's that was definitely the best time that I had with the game. Just, uh, mm. you know, being very coordinated and, uh, and, and fine tuning our tactics and everything. That's that definitely adds a layer and a dimension to the whole thing. I think if uh, if if you can get that together, then um, and, and you can get over, uh, if, you know, uh, possible hangups with the with the art style, then uh, yeah, it definitely comes fully recommended. 
Nice. I checked while we were doing that, and uh, because I like us to be complete, and indeed, you can still buy Dungeons and Dragons Chronicles of Mystara. Uh, there you so go. on Steam or Xbox, I imagine, or probably PS3 if you've still got one hooked up, or possibly even Wii U uh, for now, at least. Um, but yes, you can play it on a current gen Xbox, which uh, or a PC, which, uh, uh, and it's Iron Galaxy Studios who do tremendous work, beautifully emulated. And yes, so if if you're more interested in a traditional but RPG themed brawler, do play Dungeons and Dragons Chronicles of Mystara, uh, particularly the second game, because uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's a, it's an all timer of of the genre, a '90s classic. So I would probably recommend that one more strongly than than Dragon's Crown. But uh, nice to know it's still available because I thought maybe um, licensing would have lapsed as with these things. Anyway, uh, so. Just remains for me, Leon, to thank Brian and Leah and Mikhail and our editor Jay, as well as our correspondents, and of course to you for listening. Next time, in issue 559, I won't do the voice. It's Guacamelee! Mm-hmm.